0: What's going on, folks? Thanks for hitting that download button and checking out a brand new episode of Toys and Tech of the Trade, your one-stop shop for toys, tech, and talk, with some assembly required. I'm your host, Rich, and if this is your first time checking out an episode, first of all, welcome. Second, a bit about what we do here. Toys and Tech of the Trade is an interview series where we sit down with content creators, entrepreneurs, and just awesome folks that are on our radar and discuss the gadgets, the gear, and the tech that they use to run their businesses, create their content, and be more productive. When it comes to toys, it's not just talking about toys we grew up with or toys that we're collecting like action figures or stuff like that. But you'd be surprised what people consider their toys. So we like to consider toys here in a broad definition. People might be into collecting knives or collecting guitar picks. You'd be surprised what people consider their toys. And we like to get to know our guests a little bit more personally. So Conversations about that stuff break up a lot of the business talk and entrepreneurial talk that we have on this show. With that intro out of the way, let's get into some housekeeping before we turn it over to this week's guest. Housekeeping is going to be short and sweet. I want to thank everyone who reached out uh, with regards to episode 40, which of course we tackled entrepreneurial depression. Uh, A lot of you reached out and said that you were dealing with the same struggles And some of you asked for advice, some of it hopefully you'll take. Some of it was just a framework of how I do things. And again, that's not a one size fits all approach. Just because it works for me doesn't mean it works for you. But hopefully you can take some of that information, break it up, pull out what you need, and hopefully it will give you the answers you are looking for. Uh, One person did ask uh, with regards to... What I'm doing with the network and the podcast and i'm gonna if I'm going to turn it into a quote unquote full time job and I told them I was gonna answer the question on air so uh here it is Danny uh real easy um I don't wanna say that I'm turning it into a full time job because I've been doing this a long time, but I'm saying it I'm saying that it's not a job I'm just keeping busy I think that's how i'm gonna I'm gonna use the term keeping busy uh number one because if if you do what you love and you do what you enjoy it's not work and like i've always said i'm you know super transparent i'm not over here swimming in buckets of money doing this stuff but again it gives me personal fulfillment and sometimes that's more valuable than a dollar bill so with that said i am keeping busy now if podcasting or content creation or blogging or whatever you want to call it turns into a sustainable source of income, then you know you'll be seeing a lot more of my face on YouTube or on the website, and you'll be hearing my voice in your earphones uh, for the foreseeable future. But right now, it's just, and I'm using this term, just staying busy. That's all. With everything going on, uh, you know, trying to be a father, a husband, be here for my family, uh, be as supportive as humanly possible to everybody else with everything going on, and just doing it to stay sane because we're in some crazy times and a lot of us are just trying to do exactly that. So, to answer your question Danny, I am staying busy. We'll just leave it at that. Um, with that said, I'm going to keep things short and sweet. Uh this week's guest I'm going to let the interview speak for itself, but I got to tell you in the current situation that with the current situation that's going on right now and people looking to start businesses, looking to make that leap. This week's guests definitely, if their story doesn't give you a kick in the ass, I don't know what will. Uh, My guest and her husband took a massive risk. It's been paying dividends for them. And not only are they being of service with something that is incredibly beneficial to the, and I'm gonna give that part away to the podcasting community, but they do it and they do it by... Putting community first, making sure that they're not just building clients, but forming relationships and creating a quote unquote family. Much like the Rageworks Network and our hosts, um, my guest this week and her husband are doing the exact same thing on a bigger scale. Like I said, if you've been kicking around an idea to start a business or are looking for some motivation to help you get started, then this week's guest will definitely definitely motivate and fire you up. So without any further ado, I'm going to shut my mouth and I'm going to turn it over to this week's guest so you can learn about the toys and tech of her trade. On this week's toys and tech of the trade, we got a very, very special guest. I'm sitting down with the owner and founder of Gotham Podcast Studio, Brianna Peters. Brianna comes to me Uh, by way of introduction from some of her colleagues from Gotham Podcast Studio. I checked out her story, saw that she was a fellow podcaster, wanted to bring her on, share the Gotham Podcast Studio story, and also learn about the toys and tech of her trade, including the fact that she's a cat person much like me. So (laughs) without any further ado, Brianna, thanks for coming on, taking the time to chop it up with us. Oh, my
1: gosh. Thank you so much for having me. And yes, cat people all the way.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I um. I want to break down a little bit of Gotham podcast studio for uh, listeners that aren't familiar with it. Uh, Gotham podcast studio is a full scale podcast production studio in midtown Manhattan here in New York city. Uh, it's a one-stop shop for you to go in, create your podcast, your video cat, your vidcast, your live streams, you name it. They got uh full end production packages with a producer that's in studio that works with you one-to-one plus they offer membership options and they even provide a nice and affordable hourly rate for those that kind of just want to dip their toes in the podcasting pool and aren't scared to jump into it. So I want to start with the origin story first. Um, how'd you come up with this idea? What made you say, I want to open up a podcast studio in the middle of Midtown? <laughs>
1: Yeah. Right. Nope. Nobody thought of doing that. And there's a reason. No, um, uh, it, it was a very organic and um, it it's one of those things that you just, you can't force it. it. Everything had to happen in the way and in the timeline it had to happen in for it to be what it is today. So uh, my husband, Matt Peters is um, also a GPS partner. And back in 2014, um, we used to live in Rochester, New York. And I always like to joke with people in a human-sized apartment, not like the ones we have in New York City. So <laughs> we were, you know, able to have people, and we had a living room, and they could come in there. And Matt would every Sunday he would set up his table, um, his mixer, his headphones. He would engineer the show, he would edit the show, he'd publish the show. He 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 really did it all, and it was a lot of fun. It was just like our little Sunday tradition. I even was on a show a couple times, and then we. Flash forward, we moved to New York city in 2016 and he had to end that show because well, just like nobody is going to come into our studio apartment, sit on our bed and do a podcast with mm-hmm. us. So he was like, you know, I I might have to find a place to go if I want to podcast again. And uh, he did, he found um, a different show. He founded a different show. He has a new co-host and the recording out of his co-host, he has a MMA gym in the city and Matt would just come back home with tales of, <laughs> um, you know, people are walking by and they're watching us or like fire trucks were going by and it ruined the show or there's men grunting in the background as they're flipping each other over. And the sound is just not what I would like it th- to be. And as much as I love doing this, I don't think I can keep doing it in this way. And so it was just a really normal conversation between us of he said, I think, you know, I can find an office space. And I think I could just set up shop there and maybe we could do, um, you know, like three to four other podcasters to help me pay off the rent in the space because Matt and I new to New York, uh, we just don't have a ton of money. So it was one of those situations where like, okay, um, anything to just not like lose out on our money. And like the second person that came in was just like, I have no idea what I'm doing here. Could you please, uh, engineer the show for me? And from that moment on, it really turned into, okay, this could be a full scale business um, that we could charge people for, for Matt's knowledge and expertise and time and energy. And so Matt came into it with all the knowledge and all the back end. And I came into it with the business and we just partnered up a hu- husband and team wife and <laughs> husband and wife team. And we were like, let's, let's figure this out. So we came up with a business plan and you know, just did the whole thing. And um, it slowly grew from there. Honestly, we just started with a small, tiny room. And as we got more clients and more customers and we grew, we um we eventually made it to that Midtown Manhattan location with five studio rooms. And that happened in June of 2019. We started the business in November of 2017. So, you know, a little less than two years later, we had made it to this big, beautiful studio space.
0: Now, were you... It's It's funny, too, because the the people that introduced me to you guys, they were like, Oh yeah, you know, because I, I used to do a, an MMA and wrestling podcast. That was one oh. of the first things I did. And huh. I was like, Oh, you know, the, the, the co-owner would, would dig that. <laughs> and then, you know, I ended up doing my homework, saw that he does the, uh, the Marshall, the Marshall culture cast mm-hmm. with, uh, coach Renee. And I was like, Oh, this is great. So <laughs> th- there's, a, there's a lot of synergy there. And yeah. the thing about it that gets me is exactly this part of the story that, lot of people don't see. It's that podcasting, you got to be super invested because Mm -hmm. it's a very, very minimal. It's a minimal way to get in because you can just plug in a USB headset or a microphone and you could be off to the races. But there's a lot more involved. And you painted a great picture. Here you are. You have a human sized apartment in Rochester. (laughs) And then you're like, man, how do I I can't do this anyplace else. I had, you know, similar growing pains uh, over time, just in my own home, just like, mm-hmm. all right, I can't do this in the, in my bedroom anymore. Once I got married, I'm like, yeah, that can't happen. <laughs> and, um, you know, my, 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 wife was very understanding cause she put on uh, earplugs to sleep and I just record these, <laughs> these live podcasts for, oh, for my three gosh. Hours at a clip. <laughs> so I, I respect the fact that you went into this, uh, with your husband on a, on a partnership basis. now. Going that route and deciding, all right, we're going to turn this into a business. How did you, did you bootstrap out of your own savings? Did you say we're going to bring people in or did you uh, figure we'll start small, put in our own, put our own money and our own skin in the game and then grow from there?
1: Yes, we invested all of our own money. Um, It wasn't even a thought of ours to include others. And um, this isn't a a dig on Matt or I, it was just where we were and where our heads were at at the time. We did not imagine this to be a big thing. Oh, it, okay. Yeah. We were like, this will be fun and this will be um, Matt's passion project. And we'll also make sure that we don't like lose our money. I was still in school. I was working full time. Matt was working full time. Um, neither of us really pictured this being like a, our full time, job or career until a little bit later down the road. And I I have different moments where that um, really played out. But yeah, no, in that initial setup, Matt had already had all the equipment. So that we had already invested our our money into. And then we invested our our shared money again into, you know, finding a space here in New York, you have security deposits and a couple Mm -hmm. months worth of rent, and nothing's really cheap here. So that's lots and lots of money up front um, to secure a space and we did um pull from our own you know personal bank account because just never really occurred to us to ask anybody for if they wanted to invest or help or anything cuz again it was just supposed to be this the small thing we were doing
0: that's there's a there's a lot of inspiration that I want people to draw from in hearing that you went in just as a side gig you were working both full-time jobs before even pulling the trigger on this full on now I got to ask when you what was the tipping point for you where you said, "You know what? I'm going to quit my job and this is going to be my business." What was it for you? What, you know, you just woke up one day and it clicked or
1: <laughs> wow, it was um it was it was weird because it was a lot of little things and I'm I'm really especially these past 3 years, but even a little bit before that, I noticed that if I could just really trust my instincts and listen to myself, I had the right answer all along and I don't second guess if my gut says it's the right thing to do, I'm going to go for it full force. But, um, in the beginning, that that's a hard, that's a hard risk to jump into like, Hey, I'll, I'll leave my comfy job that gives me a good salary. And that gives me health insurance and benefits for an unknown life and an unknown lifestyle that I've personally never been a part of. So, Um, you know, a little bit throughout the first, like, I love to tell this story because this is just how crazy this business is. When Matt and I started it, we said, okay, if we can get five clients paying X amount, we can pay off the rent and we'll be okay. We'll be at zero. And, um, I said, okay, so, you know, we're starting this in November I think as long we can hold out and we can keep paying the rent of our own money, as long as we get five clients by March or like April. Mm -hmm. And two weeks later, we had five clients. (laughs) So something I expected to be months of work happened in weeks. And that was a moment for me. That was a little like gut moment where I was like, oh boy, there's, there's something bigger to be had here. And, um, Matt had, uh, a better paying job than I did. He had a higher position at work than I did. I was still in school. So I was at an entry level position. And, um, so <laughs> when he quit his job first and it brought in most of our income to work Gotham full time, like that was a commitment beyond anything we could ever imagine because we were saying, okay, we're jumping in now. At least one of us is because that's how busy the business got that it needed full time. Um, that needed full time looking after and working into. And then, uh, Matt did that in April of 2018. And by September of 2018, I had quit my job and I was working Gotham full time. So it really like it, the trajectory of this business, it happened quick. It happened so much faster than any of us were really planning for. And that's kind of what led me to say like this origin story is not something you can manufacture because, and that's that's what you kind of get when it's like um non-business people doing things. Yep. <laughs> you know, we don't go into it like money. How do we make the most money? It yep. was more just like, let's not fail and lose all our money. <laughs>
0: yep. I, I I think that that's a scary that's a scary but very very legitimate way to approach it. I mean, I got into it completely not to make a red cent and <laughs> um you yeah. know, I I've been doing it a long time and I said to myself, eh, you know, if it if if it comes it comes, if it doesn't it doesn't. But the thing about it is that you put your own you put your own money in the game and you knew, you said to yourselves, we got to approach this strategically and I'm sure for you to hear your your husband walk in and say, I'm quitting my job and run doing this full time. I'm sure there was a part of you that probably was like, oh, my God, we're in so much trouble just because it's a a scary it's a scary concept. I mean, when we're younger and you might agree with this, when we're in our 20s, it's like, yeah, you quit your job, you go home, you sit on your couch, your parents Mm -hmm. are like, hey, it's all good when you're married and you come home and you tell your significant other, "Yeah, I'm quitting my job today." <laughs> it's a it's a different kind of conversation.
1: Mhm. Yeah, and and you know what's really crazy about it is that um Matt and I are really good communicators and I think it's one of the great ways that we're able to work with each other and also be husband and wife is that um we're able to communicate and talk to each other respectfully you know we don't always agree we don't always see eye to eye um we have different ideas but at the end of the day um I'm his biggest fan and he's my biggest fan and we're going to do stuff to help each other and make each other happy and when he was working his sales job before actually Gotham was even a thing um it's kind of makes me emotional to talk about this but I could literally see his eyes glaze over he 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 became a part of something that he was never meant to be a part of. He's a creative person and he's an artist. He draws, he, he's a podcaster. Like you don't go into that world if you're not a creative at heart. And so to watch him work a sales job and to be wholly unhappy so much that I could see it in his eyes when Gotham came to be, and there was a real future there, the moment it made sense, it wasn't a question for me. It was like, yeah, we, you have to, because we already know what you're doing is not working for you and your, like your happiness. So why not take the chance? If this could really be the thing that you're passionate about and it brings you happiness, it's worth it to meet the risk for sure.
0: Yeah. I think, I think that that's the, that's the right way to look at it. Just when you're, when you're in a job, especially if it's your day job, it's like, you work, a buddy of mine says, you sell your drugs to buy more drugs, like you're working the day job to fund the dream.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: At some point, the scales kind of start tipping in that other direction where you essentially punch the clock. And based on how you're saying it, Matt had reached that point where he was like, I'm just punching a clock here.
1: Yeah, yeah, very, very unhappy with um, how the sales life was. Mm -hmm. He's not that personality type. And there's nothing wrong with having that personality type. It works for a lot of people, especially in New York City. Yep. Um, <laughs> but that's just not him. So to to watch him be wholly unhappy was not anything a wife wanted for their partner. And uh, yeah, so when it was time, even though that was very scary and risky, because he had the better job, it, it made sense to me in a different way that wasn't financial.
0: Gotcha. Now, when you but uh, I'm going to say when you guys opened up GPS version 1.0, um, <laughs> you you said you guys brought in your own equipment. So I'm assuming he had already his own p- computer set up, his own mixer, his own mics. And that was essentially Studio One, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. We went to Ikea. We got the best uh, particle board tables <laughs> and chairs we could find. Yep, <laughs> And we set up shop.
0: And yeah. you got your at that at that point when you were bringing in well let me, let me take it back a bit when you were starting out and you were saying hey I want to lock down five clients how are you how are you going how are you doing client acquisition at that point because back then especially if you if much like a lot of us we're not going out there embracing social media to grow these businesses were you doing word of mouth were you just um leveraging other folks in the podcasting game how are you how are you growing at that point
1: it's really crazy to think about it because social media would have it should have been the first thing back in 2017 yep. i thought of but uh, you know being new to a city and being as big of a city as new york is i think i felt so unimpactful as a person and as a business owner, you just, you know, New York can definitely play mind games to you if you're not from here, especially like, it's just, you come here and it's a whole other world. So, um, back then it was like, well, we don't know anybody and we don't like communicate with anybody in the podcast world. And, um, we're like trying to figure out ways to connect with people. And, Matt, one of the amazing things about him is he is so creative and he thinks outside the box. And so he said, wait a minute, let me pull up Craigslist real quick. And he went into the chats and he looked specifically for podcasts and podcasters. And what we found were um, different chats going on of like, Hey, I'm thinking of starting a podcast. Does anybody want to be my host? Or does anybody know where I can go to record a podcast? I don't know anything about anything. And, and so we started going into those chats and saying, why don't you come talk, check out Gotham podcast studio where we'll do a tour. We're opening November 1st. Um, and then we ran a deal and honestly, we got our first five clients from Craigslist
0: and nowhere else. That's now that Is outside of the box thinking because it's very outside of the box. Because you know what the thing is? (laughs) Craigslist for those that aren't from New York, Craigslist is a rabbit hole of insanity if you don't (laughs) if you don't play the game right. Because Craigslist (laughs) is like a Geo Cities looking site.
1: Every region
0: in the country has a version of Craigslist. You go, you click, there's a bunch of categories of things. Um hey I saw you on the bus and I liked your sneakers. Look me up. Um we a litany of of stories could come out of there and to leverage right. that platform in such a random fashion to do that is is innovative thinking for sure. Because you know, yeah. people go to Reddit, people Reddit is, you know, uh is is formal Craigslist. So mm-hmm. so you know to do that and turn it into into something so quickly is tremendous. Props to, props to both you and Matt for that.
1: Well, thank you so much. And you know, like we are in a, in a, an amazing business because what happens is that those first five people, we, we said, okay, we're going to give you this service and they agreed and they paid us and they started coming and recording and, what do they do? They bring people in mm-hmm. and those people start to ask us questions and then they release an episode and people hear the episode and they hear them talking about Gotham podcast studio. So it, it did not take much. It took five people to start the word of mouth. And then obviously as we started to, um, get reached out to more and we played definitely into SEO and keywords and tags in our website and people started organically finding us on Google. Um, we found, uh, some larger known podcasters that would use us. And then when they talked about us, that's really when Gotham took a turn and escalated very quickly. But yeah, it did not take much for our business to grow just from word of mouth.
0: That's, that's tremendous. And the thing about it that gets me is that this was all started with your own equipment, your own stuff, some Ikea furniture, and you went from there. And the, I, I want to paint that picture for people because, again, a lot of people, they get, you know, paralysis analysis. I got to have the best mic. I got to have the right. best mixer. I need this $10,000 audio and video rig. Like, no, you don't. Yeah, You need talent, drive, and being able to talk and engage with people. And then the rest kind of falls into place.
1: Absolutely. And we see that a lot with a lot of podcasters that come in and take tours Um, they are so nervous, some of them to take that first step and set up a recording so much so that like, you know, we send follow-up emails and they're like, I'm having trouble. I'm having trouble like booking that time. I'm so nervous. And, and we are always curious about that question of what is it that makes that click in people's heads to go, okay, now, now I'm going to do it. And now I'm going to settle up and, record my first show. And, uh, I always like to tell people, you don't have to have all the tools like you really don't. Um, you shouldn't be coming out of the gate with the best thing ever to ever happen. And there's nowhere to go from there. Why not start with what you have at at your disposal and then know that you get to build from there and just get better and learn. Like, I'm always such a fan of learning that I I always try and urge people that you're not going to have a perfect situation happen. You're not going to have any like golden light that shines down and says, today is the day you're just, you're going to have to make that day happen.
0: No, absolutely. And with, with that said, you, you folks grew from that to uh, the location you're in now. What, at, at what point did you know that you were ready for that expansion?
1: We had a lot of, um, hard talks and debates and, you know, we, we presented different outcomes and what could possibly happen if we, if we decided to take the leap and go to our own space because, um, you know, the very first place we were at was okay, but we were actually only there for a month and we went, we moved actually not too far away to a shared office space. Um, and I will not say the name of the office space, but they weren't particularly fans of us because just, we had so many people coming in and out on a daily basis. And people who use shared office spaces are people that really don't have a lot of clients or foot traffic. So Mm -hmm. it was a big difference to have us in there. So, um, it was a little bit of like a hostile place to be and people we knew really didn't like us. And we got, you know, people (laughs) tattle, on us almost like weekly. Uh, so there was a little bit of nervousness that we would get kicked out and, and we really didn't want to have to go through that again, because that's actually what happened to our very first spot. We, we got booted within a month. So we were just like, okay, we have to kind of leap in everything, um, trend wise and our, and our financials said we were growing and we knew this because we were stressed. We, we started out with one podcast room and then The demand was so high. We needed another podcast room, and by the time we had two in the shared office space, we're like, "We really going to get a third room, or are we just going to go do this thing for ourselves?" And um, that's when we needed a third one. It was like, "Well, we have to turn people. We never want to turn people away." So we got very, very good at um making a decision, figuring it out, building up studios. I mean, Matt and I could put a studio together completely with soundproofing and everything, um, within like two hours. And that's like with the furniture creation and everything, like we can, that's how many studio rooms we've built, put together, taken down over time. And we used to, like I said, we started this back in 2014 in our own home. So it just got so normal (laughs) to do that.
0: Well, once you expanded and usually I, I I save questions like this for for our rapid fire portion, but I got (laughs) to ask when you, when you were growing and as you grew, what were some things that you said were, or that you and Matt established were non-negotiables that you had principles you had to stick to when, when growing this business? Because again, like you said, here you were, you were in one business, you grew quick. uh, You got booted out. You went to this shared space again, dealing with just other people's nonsense. What, how did you cultivate that energy into where you are now?
1: Yes, we had a couple non negotiables um and they ranged from all different aspects of the of the business and The very first one was we would never treat one podcaster better or anything over another. Everybody who walks into our studio is equally important and that was big for us because we actually got some of our biggest clients because they had been booted at other studios because Nicki Minaj's cousin was going to come in and talk to somebody. So they were treated like they were nothing. Their time was nothing. Their money was nothing because a greater opportunity existed for somebody else to make gain on their show or their business. And I was like, we're not doing that, like right. Matt and I had that non negotiable we're just we're not gonna ever boot anybody if you book the time you get the time um another non negotiable for us was that we would never fully give up control of Gotham um for anything and, and we say that because kind of early on uh in, in early mid twenty eighteen um we definitely had some people like taking notice of us and. Wanting to offer services or become a part of the business or interject themselves into what we were doing and giving us a lot of unsolicited advice. Mm-hmm. And um, it was really important for us because we're so new to the city and we really didn't know anybody. And we do know that it can be a cutthroat business city, um, that we would never allow someone to come in and fully change Gotham and its principles. There's just certain things that we do and we stand for, and we would never let somebody come in and throw that. Um, throw that away for a quick dollar or to make a quick million. Like it was not something we were willing to do. Um, we put our heart and our soul and our tears and our blood and our time into this business. I will never risk who I am and like my morals to make money quickly from it. It's a, it's a long haul type of business that we're in. So, <laughs> um, and then, I mean, just like from a, 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 like a really like um I forget the word I'm trying to say, but like, another non-negotiable for us was just like when we got our own space we were looking and we said okay it has to be easy to tr- transport to yep. so many of our people are taking the train they're riding their bikes they're coming into the transportation hubs we were not going to choose something on the upper west side or um you know tribeca like we really were like we have to go somewhere that's easy for people to get to us that's a good business move right there but then also just because it made, we, we had acquired so many clients and we were actually in like a downtown area um, that we were scared to lose people if we went somewhere where transportation wasn't convenient. So that was also just another um, non-negotiable for us when we decided to move.
0: Yeah. I think, I I think that the, the, the strategy that, that you and Matt implemented, I got to say that it's, I'm glad we're having this conversation because I agree the The entire approach and the philosophy that you're using is just the right way to do it, and the problem is that it's very easy and I like that you said it is very easy to kind of cash out
1: mm-hmm. if
0: you're you're growing and you want to bring in some more stuff because what happens is the shiny objects kind of distract from the fact that you're still on the grind, yeah, and a lot of people don't see that so i I respect that especially in the early goings, like you said, people come in, hey, you know and especially in the era of the Internet, everyone loves to give unsolicited advice. So <laughs> well,
1: and you know, it, it it is and it's crazy because actually the the advice and I put this in quotations that we got so much was you need to raise your prices. You need to raise your prices. Nope. Never going to make it if you don't raise your prices. And we raised our prices when it was when it was necessary to do so, not because we were trying to get rich quick. <laughs> um, we're trying to build a community. We're trying to establish um, a blueprint that's never been made before. That was another really challenging part of this business is that nobody had, we had nobody to follow. We had every decision, every choice came from well, I don't know what do you think is best like there's <laughs> just no one to like look to um so when people came in and were like you need to raise your prices it was like well you don't know our clients we right. we do and we were those clients not too long ago looking for a place and the $150 music recording studio that was going to charge you an arm and a leg to use their podcast set was just like, that's not it. That's not what people are looking for. That's not what we were looking for at least. So yeah, that was a, that was a big advice given to us. Just raise your prices, raise your prices.
0: Oh, yeah, because, because again, and and this is the worst part of, of this particular business and I don't even want to say it's the worst part. Everybody kind of tries to mimic either major players in the game or terrestrial radio. And mm. I tell people all the time, like this is a different animal that yeah. you can't. Somebody will always say, like, oh, why do you want a podcast? Oh, you know, I want to be the next Joe Rogan or the next Tim Ferriss, and I gotta mm-hmm. tell them, like, listen, put a pin on that because <laughs> it's not gonna happen. And you know, I I I say it in a way that comes off a little abrasive, but I tell them because listen, Joe Rogan, you know about you know his million dollar Spotify deal and the mm-hmm. awesome people he talks to. But you don't know about him doing stand up in a tiny club on a right. Tuesday night or yep. him on the road or him doing fear factor or X or Y or whatever. And on top of that, he still did something that you said before, did it? He delivered his content his way. Mm-hmm. And that's what a lot of people don't. They, they kind of misunderstand, because like you said, this isn't a get rich quick game.
1: No, and Some Joe Rogan is watching. one of the yeah. Joe Rogan is one of the Godfathers. Like he was podcasting before anybody knew what podcasting was. I yep. mean, I'm pretty sure Joe Rogan was podcasting in 2007 and 2008. Like you're talking about someone that's been in this business has continually put out content for 10 plus years, yep. um, and you're now seeing his hundred dollar million, <laughs> his hundred million dollar um, you know Spotify deal, and it's like what already like no he's he's done the work for many many years
0: yep i mean there there there's so many leaders in the game and you know i've been doing this now 14 years and i'm like joe rogan was a
1: constant
0: he was a constant you know he was there uh and then people that come in they have i like to always tell people you got to put an asterisk in front of their fame not in front Mm -hmm. of their fame but just in front of their their podcasting presence like Tim Ferris. It's like, listen, the guy wrote two books before he decided a podcast. He did it on a yeah. whim one night. And here he is with one of the top podcasts in the game. Um, yeah. and the other thing that, that you said was thinking outside of the box, like, look at Gimlet and Serial and all of yeah. these other like who would have thought that doing short stories like old school radio programs that our parents grew up with is now like a thing? You know, like, <laughs> hey, we're gonna do this weekly murder mystery and it's who done it every week and a hundred thousand people downloaded it. What? Like, like, yeah, that's not right. But <laughs> but it works, you know.
1: Right, and I love that. I love that about podcasting. It's like literally everybody could find something that they're into. There's someone out there that has created a thing that you are so into. Yep. I mean, we have a a podcast about sneakers. So like, trust me. There's there's something out there you could listen to and fall in love with.
0: Listen, as somebody who is a sneakerhead, <laughs> podcast about sneakers are yep. things I end up listening to. And that's the thing. <laughs> like, you have all these niche things. Like, I remember when when we used to talk about, you know, MMA and wrestling and video games and comics and stuff. The audiences, they hated each other, which was funny. But <laughs> the thing about it is that there were other outliers that were like me, that liked mm-hmm. comics, that would watch wrestling on Monday nights, that would go to New York Comic Con on a weekend And next thing you know, they, they wanted to watch a a certain movie and that was the audience. That was the muse I was looking for. Yeah. And you know, people definitely, they don't see that.
1: Well, and just congratulations on 14 years. Like that (laughs) is such a testament to you. Um, So many people start podcasts and just can't, can't keep it up or don't want to, or maybe just fall out of love with it or experience pod fade as we like to put it. And I'm just, that's amazing. Congrats.
0: I gotta, I gotta ask. And I'm, and I'm curious your, your two hour studio setup time Uh, walk us, you know, just, just, uh, you know, ballpark, like walk us through how that works. Like, how do you, how do you strategize that? Like, all right, you walk into the empty room. What are, how, how do you look at it in terms of laying it out? Obviously soundproofing, et cetera. Those are, those are musts, but what's your typical setup when you're building out a room? Like how did you build out your first room?
1: Yeah. So our first room was, um, it was very interesting. I'm a very visual person, so I like to put something together. It Doesn't mean that that's where it's going to end up forever, but I just have to see it. Like, you could not show me a program, and I'm on a computer. I'm like, oh, okay, that does it. Like, I have to see it in person. So, you know, we put the table, at the chairs up. We put it in the middle of the room. We put it off to the side of the room. We we put the engineer's desk um at a certain at the head of the table, and like we just tried so many things. And for me, I may not have had the most like business experience going into this. But at the same time, if you think about it, you just think about all the things that you like as a consumer and all the things you don't like as a consumer. And then you try to navigate it using the, like I said, the tools that you have at hand. So I would literally come, (laughs) walk down, this might be extra, but I would walk in and I was per- I would pretend I was a podcaster for the first time seeing the space. And I'd be like, nope, don't like that. Or eh, this is in the way. Or Ooh, I don't like that you can see that wire there. And I was over analyzing and very critical so that the person who walked in that is like that would be happy. And then everybody else would obviously be happy with it, too, because not everybody is going to be as critical. <laughs>
0: right. They have no standards to go by. So you yeah. went in there like you went in there with the snobby. Hey, your wire management (laughs) sucks. Why is this here? I, I, I get it. I think that that's a, that's a fantastic approach.
1: Thank you. Yeah. And then, you know, as we grew, um, this has been one of the best benefits is that now we can offer different aesthetics. So, Uh, when we had one room, it was like, this is the room we have. And I'm sorry if you don't like its color or the way we styled it, but it's kind of what it is. And and (laughs) now we have five different room options. And that really gave us room to be like, okay, so we know that some podcasters like a round table. They like uh, you know, that that feeling of being conversational and and then we have, you know, others that like more of like a talk show style and couches and and floor stand mics. And then we have some people who are very video focused and they want it to look like a broadcast. And so we just started to put together and that was so much fun coming up with all these different rooms and their color schemes. And I mean, again, within reason of what we could afford, because this is still like our own money. And then (laughs) Mike, when he became a partner, like he, he, he's now invested into this and like, that's it. It's just us three working this business full time. So, um, you know, there isn't a ton of money to be able to put into to like design, but I still think it's a very, very important, especially if you're, you're brick and mortar, you have people coming in, um, and, Honestly, one of the best investments we ever made was an Instagram mural, and um, I should say Instagrammable mural. It wasn't yep. for Instagram.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, it was. It, it's definitely one of the first things when I visited your site after speaking to Mike. I was like, yeah, that's pretty dope. You know, <laughs> like it, like it just jumped out, and and yeah. I like that because one of the things that you alluded to in in describing your setup and and your process is the fact that. You want to feel at home in the space and don't get me wrong. Home home for everyone is different. Like you said, I saw you have some rooms, like you said, intimate round table. Some are the big, the the, the big long table and you're talking face to face. Some people are off to the side. So you, you kind of want to have a little bit of something for everybody. But at the end of the day, it matters to you more than anything because you guys live there. It's your home and, and everybody's your guests.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and it was was big for us when we got our space that we could actually design a sound control room because previously to that in the shared office space, our us as engineers and our engineers that we hired. We're in the room with people. And that's not that that's a, a bad thing, but th- it really was beneficial to us to be able to have a wall of separation. Mm-hmm. And um, that was just for some business things. And that was also just for personal comfortability levels and making clients feel um, like the space was truly just theirs for that amount of time.
0: <laughs> and honestly, in the in the current climate, which we kind of discussed before we started recording, that's ideal because there's a better sense of accountability, I'm sure. Now you look at it and you're like, all right, the engineer's not in the room. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, three hosts, two hosts and their guest. So yeah. you kind of have a lot more control of the situation than than people understand, especially in this current, in this current climate where you got to keep track of how many people are in a room, how many people came in and out, what did they do, what did they touch. It's yeah. easier. And I think that that's one of the things that I really enjoyed because it had that flavor of radio station,
1: mm-hmm. which
0: I liked. I liked the, the, the independent control room. Cause I said to myself, you don't want your engineer to get sidetracked because the hosts are going to want to be like, Hey, engineer, what do you think about it? And you're like, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah I wasn't really paying attention. Cause I'm making sure your <laughs> show works. <laughs> so, yeah. so I, so I like, I like that. That was one of the first things that jumped out when I saw uh, some of the photos.
1: Oh my gosh, thank you so much. Yeah, I couldn't tell you how many times podcasters like Brianna, what do you think when I was engineering and I'd yep. be like, "Hold on, let me turn my mic on and yep. talk to you." <laughs>
0: yep, it, it, it it's crazy. And you know, I want to kind of go into you were podcasting too. You were doing uh the bit different podcast and um I know you did an update back in August. Kind of want to yeah. touch on that. Um what, when did you get bit with that bug to do your own, <laughs> do your own show?
1: Oh my gosh. It's almost so embarrassing for me to talk about just cause like, I, I am not a creative person. I wish in my bones that I was creative, but I just, I really don't have a creative energy or personality. Like I'm so jealous of Matt. He could just draw something and it looks amazing. And I'm like, how did you do that? My stick figures can't even look good. So I I definitely have that, that part of me that was like, I heard podcasters talking. I met, I have met so many people, (laughs) their guests, their hosts, the shows, you know, tours. Like I, I've met so many people and I've heard so many amazing stories being an engineer for so long that um I started to have an idea of something and I actually sat on it for quite a while just because and I'll always be unabashed when I say this Gotham gets my full attention Gotham mm-hmm. is everything to me and while I love doing a podcast and I love being able to have those moments with people my first baby and my first project and my first everything is Gotham. So I sat on it for quite a while, but I eventually did last year. Um, actually in October, I think I released my first episode in 2019 and I wanted to have conversations with people that I had met along the way. I'm, I'm very blessed. <laughs> I have it very easy. I don't really have to go looking for guests. So I, I see a lot of people and, um, and I had these, these conversations with them about how they were working within their industry, but differently. So you know i talked to somebody who worked in fashion all aspects of fashion throughout her career and she created um with others an app that was um it allowed you to like virtually try on the clothes without yes. you having to pay for it and that saved so much um from people like buying things and then returning them which is kind of like ruining the ecosystem in terms of fashion is one of the most horrible industries um in terms of like uh, you know, being green, uh, there's a lot of waste and there's a, there's, that's like a whole other thing, but she was trying to do her best in that industry. And I just love that. I love, there was a chef. Um, I haven't had a chance to interview him yet, but he, I met him because he, he started going on to podcasts to talk about him being a personal chef. And that's how he got his first clients were those podcasters and he would bring food and everybody would talk and eat and talk about how amazing his food was. And now he's a personal chef for like top five podcasters. And, uh, yeah, like these people are amazing. They're creative. They think outside the box. And I, I really love picking those people's brains and like, Seeing how they did their things differently, so I mean, I sat on my podcast for a while, but yeah, I did do it for a little bit, and then definitely had to take a break.
0: Listen, I got to tell you, your um, the, the episodes you do the significant sit down episodes. Oh yeah, um, I got to say that those could be their own damn show. Oh my gosh, like, thank you, you so like, much. Like, you could legit do significant sit down podcast, and it, it it's great. And the reason is because. It's a natural conversation, again, because what you're talking to your significant other, it's easy. Mm-hmm. It's just yeah. turning on the mics and going. The one thing I that got me was the episode you did with, uh, what was her name? Heather Hansen. Oh, and, yeah. Um, the thing about that is I liked it because it went in a completely different direction than some of the other stuff that mm-hmm. you had done previously. And what I liked also is the fact that it made you know, trial law interesting and didn't (laughs) glamorize it like, you know, suits or any of the other shows that are on TV. And I think that that was, that was tremendous. So I got to tell you for someone who doesn't sit here and say that they're creative, there was a lot of creative work on these shows.
1: (laughs) Well, thank you so much. I mean, I I definitely had a vision of how I wanted it to sound and I I wanted someone to walk away feeling. And, and that's why I end the show with what's something like a mantra or, or something that sticks out to you. That's, that's worked for you in your life. Because I think if, if I'm going to do anything, I would just want to help. And that's always been my philosophy is I might not have all the the tools or I might not have all the knowledge, but if I can go into it in with a, with a mindset of like, I'm just trying to help someone. I feel very confident in that I can do that at least. And I thought, wouldn't it be amazing if someone listened to my show and someone's mantra was the thing that they needed to hear at that moment. I mean, um, and so that's all I hope for is like, even if the whole episode. Um, you know, they didn't really have anything that stuck out. Maybe that could be something that did. So thank you so much for saying that.
0: Well, you know, I think that people misunderstand. Well, they miss out on the fact that if you're starting out a show and you get 10 downloads, just 10, and automatically you look at it and you're like, oh man, just 10 downloads, et cetera, et cetera. (laughs) It's like, how many times do you talk to a room of 10 people that are hanging on your every word? (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> Let me know because I want to be in that room, you know, and, and I think that that's exactly it. I think that how you approached it and putting out that type of positive energy, I think a lot of people need that because I tell people all the time, there's accountability when you're a podcaster, because if you put out a show every week, that one person whose life may be impacted because you made them laugh or you told mm-hmm. a funny story, or you told a relatable story. You are that person's lifeline for 60 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever your show is. Mm-hmm. And the minute that you don't commit to it, you that person loses that lifeline. And guess what? They may go elsewhere and find it, but it's yeah. not going to be the same energy.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I I honestly, I love doing it. But what's interesting, um, I can be guests. I've been guests on other people's shows, and I love it. As soon as I sit down to record my podcast, I get nervous. And my voice gets all like uh, shaky and weird <laughs> and screechy, and I'm like, "What's going on here? Huh.
0: Why, so, so has that been has that been the hurdle you've been experiencing? Because I know when you were, you know, you were updating folks with the with the time lapse recap episode, you kind of yeah. were digging into different facets of that. Is that the biggest hurdle you're dealing with in terms of just uh, kind of getting back on the horse?
1: Yeah, I definitely. Um... I definitely have a lot of insecurity in that and uh being a good interviewer, a good host, leading a conversation, not getting sidetracked, like um, you know, I definitely know my faults and I know my strengths. And sometimes I can be just very distracted with a lot of things that are going on in in business. And um I think I'm, I'm especially of course, as we all are hard on ourselves more than anybody else is. So I don't want to do anything unless I think it's going to be amazing or perfect or the greatest guest. And, you know, like you said, I mean, I'm, I'm actually happy you said that about the significant sit down series, because those are the most relaxed, happy, less, um, uh, <laughs> they're very less high, strong for me interviews that I can just kind of sit down and talk with Matt and have an open, honest conversation with the other ones. I feel like I'm almost trying too hard to force like this moment instead of just kind of relaxing. And it also is kind of funny you said Heather Hansen because I I know Heather and I've known Heather for quite mm-hmm. a while. So it's it, at first I was nervous, but then she instantly made me feel better with a joke. And then that whole conversation just kind of took off from there.
0: Well, that's exactly where I was going with it. I think that it's one of those things where you have to kind of just turn on the mics and think you're having like a normal conversation. Listen, I've never met you. Don't know you <laughs> minus these, you know, 59 minutes that we've shared together. But I feel like I know you We're just two uh. people talking shop with the mics on. Right. And, um, you know, before we we jump into the the next, uh, the next segment of the show, I did want to ask you, uh, when you started your podcast, who did you draw inspiration from in terms of approaching the show? Who were, who were some of your, um, your podcast role models, so to speak for when you wanted to start your own show?
1: Absolutely. Um, I love Shanae Alexander. She was actually a guest. She was my first, um, guest on my show and I had recorded her show a lot. It was called press send. And, um, Shanae is an influencer. She's many things, but, um, you know, she has a very large, um, Instagram following and she, um, she gets a lot of people asking her questions and she gives advice and it just, uh, it, it was amazing to watch her talk with people and she was so conversationalist and it was just, gosh, I kind of just, I really connected to her as a person and how she did her podcast. And then, um, you know, interesting enough, one of the first podcasts I ever started listening to was Tony Robbins. And it happened to be around the time that I needed a lot of business advice. And um, it, some of his podcasts are shaped, uh, like Gotham is kind of almost shaped by some of his podcast episodes. Um, And he had an episode called Strategic Innovation and that has always stuck with me. That entire episode is gold. I've listened to it maybe five or six times when I need to just hear it again. You know, <laughs> um, and I love the way obviously Tony Robbins is known for the way he talks and connects with people. So those are two people that are really good at connecting that I I really emulated. Awesome.
0: I I actually uh, the reason I asked that was because I was curious on who you'd mention and who you drew inspiration from, but also because I want people to check out these individuals as well, because perhaps yeah. they'll draw inspiration from them. Um, Absolutely. You know, Tony, it's funny, Tony Robbins, I've heard him on a few podcasts and it's it's true. He's He's got an unmistakable vibe. He's kind of, he doesn't, he, he takes himself seriously, but he doesn't because mm-hmm. he knows that <laughs> At the end of the day, he can put a thousand things out there and only a handful of people are gonna do them anyway. So (laughs) I I, I respect that he knows he knows his lane, you know?
1: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. He's he's very interesting to listen to. It's definitely a bucket list thing to just go to one of those, which is totally not me or my scene because I'm not very social and I don't like the idea of like having to go talk to a bunch of people or like connect. (laughs) But you can't. Like if you're into that, you can't deny that. I would take much more emotionally away from that than that nervousness or weirdness I would feel in the moment of having to put myself out there.
0: Oh, I hear you. I think uh, I I like to say the uh, the the creative extrovert. I, yes. Because I'm, I'm in the, I'm in the same I'm in the same thing. I go into a room. I'm like, yeah, not a lot of talking here, and people are like, dude, you talk in front of a microphone. I'm like, yeah, it's completely different. <laughs> um, so different. I want to I want to jump into our, our our next segment. We call it the hot seat. It's a series of rapid fire questions. Some are based on our conversation. Some are interest based. Others are business based. And again, off the cuff, you can just answer off the top of your head. No pressure.
1: Okay, sounds right. good.
0: So yes, obviously you've built out your studios. I see a lot of Macs in there. I'm assuming you use um, an iOS device too. <laughs> Yes, sir. (laughs) All right. Now, the reason I ask that is because you turn on your phone in the morning. What are three mobile apps you can't live without?
1: Okay, we got Gmail. (laughs) I need that. I have my Google Drive. I need that. And then um, I have, uh, it's our internal system that we do for um, employee schedule, which is called When I Work. And I absolutely need that. That's all work stuff, but that pretty much sums up my life.
0: Nice. Nice. Um, what's an average day? How do you start your day when you're working with Gotham? What's what's your morning look like when you start?
1: Uh, this is actually very new for me beforehand. I loved not having a schedule and kind of just doing what needed to be done that day until I noticed that it was kind of having detrimental effects on my mental, emotional, and physical health, but they weren't very, uh, Prominent. It was like little things that I wasn't noticing. And uh, again, I just kind of listened to myself, and something wasn't right. And I needed a little bit more structure. So um, now I kind of stick to going to bed at the same time so I can wake up around the same time every day. Uh, I segment out by hours. That's what works best for me. I have an hour to just wake up and kind of eat breakfast and get ready for the day. Um, I have an hour to commute, so that way I'm not stressed. I really hate being stressed, like being late or anything, so I give myself extra time. I go to the studio. We do a solid nine, maybe 10 or 11 hours if needed. Um, we get to come home and just chill with our cats and watch some horrible, awesome TV reality shows, and then it's it's off to bye-bye land for me. <laughs>
0: nice. Now, now, that I, I actually... I'm I'm glad you broke it down. So in such a detailed way, because I wanted to ask on on that, that moment when you were like, oh, I kind of need a schedule. What was what was something that jumped out for you? What jumped out that you said, you know what, I kind of need a, a scheduled day.
1: I was I wasn't able to put my finger on it for the longest time. But when I did, I noticed that I was very anxious mm-hmm. and um so much so sometimes I had trouble breathing for no reason. And, um, (laughs) I would just be like, why am I out of breath right now? And, and usually I have my nose so far down into the business and I'm just grinding and I'm going that I was not allowing myself to truly kind of see what was happening and that I was becoming so stressed and anxiety ridden that, um, I was having horrible dreams and having, Um, subsequently really rough nights of sleep, uh, where I would have anxiety dreams about, um, you know, forgetting to go unlock the doors at GPS and nobody could record their show and everybody hated us. Like just dreams that were like, you need to try and figure out a better way of living because it's not working for you (laughs) the way you're doing it now.
0: (laughs) You know, I, I am so glad you shared that because (laughs) I was, I was there at one point back back when I was doing my, my, my show. And, and it's true. Like yeah. people don't understand. And it's funny. We just recently put out an episode about what I call the ED entrepreneurial depression.
1: Oh, and, yeah.
0: um, you know, it's people, people don't get it. It's exactly that. Like, like that type of angst. Like, yep. did I open the door? Like, like to hear that, like coming from somebody else, like, did I press record? <laughs> did I put the show notes in? Did I get this yep. person's name right? <laughs> um i i remember i interviewed somebody years ago and we were talking about like something with Voltron and i said a word wrong yeah. and i remember someone picked up on it and of course put it in in like a a comment
1: oh, and i'm like oh. Ugh.
0: And, yeah, and the amount, and it's funny the amount of anxiety. <laughs> oh my doing, gosh. doing shows, I was like, oh, I'm glad. you And, and it was funny because I commented on, it. I was like, oh, I'm glad you guys were so on top of that that you didn't bother to enjoy the rest of the show. But um, yes, but yeah, I man, it it it's so great to hear somebody else go through that. That not not like that, but obviously <laughs> go through it and and have the self awareness, like man, there's something deeper here going on.
1: Yeah. You know, the, the breathing thing really freaked me out more than anything because the dreams you could kind of chalk it up to being like, Oh, well, I'm just stressed and other things going on or, but the breathing was weird because I would just be sitting and I'm sure if I talk to somebody, they might call it like a panic attack or Mm -hmm. there might be more, uh, medically, uh, terminology that I'm supposed to be using. But I just noticed that my breathing was messed up and, uh, I was nervous for no reason. Like I could be sitting by myself with my computer answering emails, and all of a sudden I'm having trouble catching my breath. Yep. And so something was really
0: wrong. That, there, no, that's, that's those are the telltale signs of of a panic yeah. attack. Um, You know, my 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 wife had one uh, after her her mom passed, and the symptoms oh. you're describing are exactly it.
1: Oh my gosh, it's so
0: horrible. They went to, she went to like an urgent care and they're like, yeah, you need to like relax and like breathe into a paper bag. And I'm like, oh, okay then. (laughs) So yeah, yeah, I, I, I totally understand. And I, and I, you know, I appreciate you for sharing that.
1: Oh, of course.
0: Um, last book you read.
1: (laughs) Um, so it's so funny you said. Um, it, how to start a business. And it was um when we started the business and that was the, probably the last time I had time to read a book. Wow. Um, But I actually got one of the best pieces of advice besides Tony Robbins uh, podcast from that book. And it said, if you give your business part-time energy, you'll see part-time results. If you give it your full-time energy, you'll see full-time results. Damn right. And that was kind of the, the nail in the coffin essentially that I needed to hear to be like, okay, that's right. Let's go. I need it.
0: <laughs> uh, you know, you talked about TV shows. What was the last TV show you watched?
1: Um, uh, well, I'm about to re binge, uh, great British, great British baking show. Cause I just saw they put out another episode. Um, but besides that, I love, um, like decor, uh, like TV. I'll rewatch a lot of the old things. Um, on that channel just because i love watching nice. like house decor stuff
0: yeah there's um there's a lady my wife watches she does like she buys like rundown houses and she does all the renovation herself um yeah
1: that's amazing i can't,
0: I can't even i can't even put my my finger on the name but she always ends up having her on and it's usually like houses in michigan and stuff like that and she and-
1: oh yeah, the blonde haired lady. Yes. I can't remember. Um yes. I can't remember her name, but yes, I know who you're talking yep. about.
0: <laughs> that's, that's that's hilarious. Um, <laughs> what's your favorite piece of tech besides your phone or your computer?
1: Oh wow, that's an amazing question. Phone or computer. Um oh, <laughs> so random, but there I just bought this USB uh uh lighter for like to light candles and stuff like that, but you charge it up via yep. USB. Tesla so you lighters. never run out. And I'm like, this is, this is why I love technology.
0: Yep. You, you know, it, it's, it's funny because I bought one of those at the, they call it like a Tesla coil lighter
1: and oh, it has like a, yeah. like a
0: bendy neck. Yes. And, um, you know, as, as a guy, you know, you don't care about candles growing <laughs> up. You don't give a damn about them. And then, you know, you start dating yeah. and you realize, well, my house can't smell like hamburgers and steak all the time. And you know, your, wife is, your wife or your significant other is like, hey, you know, this toasted marshmallow candle, you should light it. And next thing you know, you are in a store and saying to yourself, yep. let me smell this. So, yeah, I mean, uh, my house now, my, my, my studio now smells like uh, pumpkin praline.
1: Oh, yeah, that's a good one. You and Matt have similar journeys. Like, he is now in there smelling the candles, being like, I think this is a good
0: one, babe. Yep, Yep. 100%. (laughs) To the point where it's like... I have like a shelf in my studio on the bottom in the bottom of a shelf with like just different candles. Usually it's <laughs> Mandarin orange. Cause I like oh, all yeah. citrus crap. and I like <laughs>
1: Eucalyptus you know, mint, all yeah, the good ones. Yep.
0: Stuff like that. So, <laughs> so I'm glad you mentioned that lighter. Cause yeah, the, the, like I wouldn't have given a damn about that 20 years ago. <laughs> nope. It's so true. Nope. Um, what's something you purchased recently that's less than a hundred dollars that has made your life easier or more enjoyable?
1: I waited for so long. I postponed it. I was like, no, you don't need it. And then I finally bought some wireless headphones and I'm so happy I did. Um, they had beats ones that were on sale. They're like an older model. Um, but I love it, especially for New York and especially, especially because I walk to work every day. So, you know, those 18 minutes there and back, I can just kind of like listen to music if I'm not walking with Matt and we're talking and it has been an amazing purchase. And I love the Beats ones. I, I don't know about any other brand, but these ones are amazing.
0: They are, they are a godsend to dodge New York's crazies. Yes.
1: Yes. <laughs> you cannot talk to me with my mask over my face, with my, eye, my sunglasses yep. on and my headphones on. I am untouchable. <laughs>
0: there you go. Now, obviously, we talk about, toy, uh, about tech, but we got to talk a little bit about toys. Um, what was a toy or collectible you had in your childhood that you enjoyed?
1: I loved, um, the X-Men, but only the girl X-Men. So I collected the cards. I had Storm. I had Rogue. Uh, I was obsessed because my brothers, I have three older brothers. So they collected, um, you know, obviously all the cards, but then I would sneak the girl ones out and I was like, these are mine.
0: <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, and I would definitely get in trouble and then have to give them back, but I definitely kept trying to make them mine. <laughs>
0: that's, that, that's, that's pretty cool. I mean, as, as someone who, who has a little girl now, trust yeah. me. It's like, yeah, what are you going to be for Halloween? Well, you're going to be Captain Marvel. You know nothing yeah. about it, but you're going to be Captain Marvel <laughs> or Wonder Woman Uh this year. it's Wonder
1: Woman. Oh my uh, gosh. I love it. My niece, she saw the first uh, uh Wonder Woman. She was probably like, you know, six and she was obsessed. She just always wanted to have it on in the background. And that kind of makes you emotional when you're like, she can connect to that, you know, yep. and she doesn't have a lot of other things to be able to connect to in that way. That's like strong and not uh, overtly sexualized and stuff like that.
0: Uh, Last question. I call you up a year from now, Brianna, where is Gotham podcast studio at a year from now? What would you want to tell me?
1: I would want to say that we've acquired our entire floor right now. We're only, we have half the floor. I would like to say we acquired the entire 10th floor that we have like eight studios um, and that uh, we've been able to hire more amazing people. Cause that's even another part of this. I haven't touched base on, but like our team is so amazing and I just want to keep hiring a great people and putting together an amazing team. So I want to be able to provide that for other people. So I hope to say in a year we have a whole entire floor and I have at least like five more employees.
0: <laughs> nice. That is uh, tremendous. Now, um, we we had a lot of gems and a lot of value in this episode. Uh, the last segment we like to call it "Reach One, Teach One," and um, we always want to put like an actionable piece of advice out there. And in your case, I gotta ask: uh, somebody wakes up, they want to start a business. Um, what's one actionable piece of advice you could give them if they wake up with that dream?
1: The first thing you should do is not anything that could potentially um, ruin your high about it. So what I mean is that the first thing I think you should do is something that makes you excited. So if it's brainstorming idea, like uh, brainstorming names and uh, for your potential business, if it's uh, looking up website designs that are really cool that you could kind of like try to uh, emulate of and doing the fun parts of it. Because there are so many things that can be hard or disheartening or could maybe potentially deter you from taking that step. I remember Matt and I did not look up uh, any competition and it wasn't a conscious decision. It's just not something that we did. We were just busy making our own thing. And that, that by the time I had looked up competition, I almost thought we shouldn't do it anymore. I was like, oh, wait, there's already other people that do this. Why would we do this? We would have nothing new to bring. And I'm so happy. I did not do that at the beginning. Cause what if that had made us not do it, you know? And so I just, if I could give any piece of advice is that an actionable item that you should do is really dependent on what the business is, but make sure it's something that excites you that is exciting and happy. And it's not something that could potentially deter you.
0: Nice. I think that is a fantastic way to wrap things up. Uh, Lastly, um, you know, what calls of action would you want from our audience? Um, and obviously where can they find you?
1: Yes, absolutely. So personally, you can find me on Instagram at Brianna Peters underscore, and, um, we have Gotham podcast studio and that's just at Gotham podcast studio on Instagram or Gotham podcast studio.com. If you are interested in recording, we are open. We're taking a lot of safety measures. And extra precautionary measures and disinfecting measures to make everybody safe. So, we are open to the public. And the last thing is that um, we have a new business coming out called Tandem, and it's a hosting, a podcast hosting company. And we're very excited about it. And we have a lot of things that we're bringing to the market that do not currently exist. And that should be out for beta testing in October. And you can find out more about that at tandempodcasting.com.
0: That is awesome. And, um, you know, it's funny, I just switched podcast hosts. So, um, <laughs> um, I'm, I'm actually, I'm actually glad to hear that because I like to support, you know, New York company, New York creators. So, uh, definitely keep me posted and I'll, you know, I'll check it out and sign up as well and stay, stay up to date with that stuff. We just switched over from, um, and, and I'll put the name out there cause whatever I switched over from Spreaker and, <laughs> yeah. um, I was with Spreaker, they were great. I switched over to them from Libsyn. I was with mm. Libsyn for years. Yeah. But um when we started the 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 podcast network, they Libsyn just didn't work. And um gotcha. they were they were you had to essentially sign up each show under a um you had to have billing for each show which but yeah. if you do that, forget it, you're going to be broke. And um yeah. and then Spreaker kind of just had the the hey, pay one rate, do all this and then That worked, but there were certain things that just didn't. They weren't, excuse me, they weren't conducive for a network setting. Gotcha. And um, the company we switched over to now kind of plays well with the network. So uh, definitely curious to see what you folks are doing because again, anything that that's good for uh, a podcast network is something I always want to stay up to date on, especially for the rest of our creators
1: absolutely yeah i'll definitely talk to you more um but the just i want to put this out there real quick is that we are doing something totally different and that we're allowing creators to bring over their analytics which is not something that typically you're allowed to do you have to kind of start fresh with yep. brand new analytics and we are allowing people to bring over their analytics to continue uh their numbers so that is a huge huge Uh, plus because a lot of creators unfortunately know the headache of switching hosting companies you lose all that all that number so there you go yep
0: all right so um gotham podcast studio will have links to that uh ways to keep in touch with brianna in the show notes for this episode brianna thank you so much for taking the time to share the toys and tech of your trade
1: thank you so much
0: What a great conversation with Brianna came out of that interview fired up when we hung up. I was like, man, that story, everything that her and her husband went through to get Gotham off the ground. That's that's what it's all about, man. Like, don't get me wrong, like the money and all that stuff is cool. But the story, the hardships that go into it, the lessons you learn along the way, she said it herself, being able to set up a podcasting studio in minutes, you know, when so many people don't even know where to begin There's a lot of stuff that came out of that conversation that applies to so many folks, whether it's people that are looking to start their own brick and mortar, whether it's fellow podcasters. I really hope all of you got value from that conversation. As I said during the interview, and I'm reiterating it here, you can check out the links in the show notes for this episode for everything Brianna and I talked about. Uh, Some of the stuff may be affiliate links as always, full transparency, Uh, any of those things that you click. And Make a purchase with we'll get a small commission doesn't affect what you pay for the item or the service helps us out lets us create awesome content for you folks whether it's on the site on our YouTube channel or on the network so definitely feel free to use those links if you wish and with regards to Gotham podcast studio if you're into the New York area and want to find a chill place to record with some of the best equipment and just an awesome awesome crew of folks. Definitely check them out. I'll include their address, their phone number, and all the pertinent links to their social in the show notes. Also, if you're looking for a brand new podcast host, definitely check out Tandem, which should be going live uh, no sooner than maybe a day or two after this episode does. So definitely check the links in the show notes for that as well to stay up to date. And that's going to wrap up this week's episode of Toys and Tech of the Trade. Call to action as always. If you like what we do here, please take a moment and give us a rating on iTunes, Spotify, or the service of your choice. We really, really appreciate it. Uh, It helps us out, gets us a little bit more social proof. Sometimes gatekeepers want to see reviews, engaged audiences, whatever. Take a moment, write a review if you want. We'd really appreciate that. Or give us a rating. Click that star button and give us as many stars as you think. Uh, these shows are worth. Uh, whether it's one star or five stars, I appreciate you folks taking the time to let me beam my thoughts and these stories into your ears and your speakers. Uh, anything else with regards to Rageworks, as always, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest. You guys know the deal. I'm not going to beat that over the head, but find us there. As I said in episode 40, I'll say it here in episode 41, and I'll continue to say it. If you're having issues and you're stuck, whether it's a podcast or just a business endeavor and you need another another ear, uh, an outsider to hear some of the stuff to bounce ideas off of, do not hesitate to shoot me an email, rich at rageworks.net. Anything I can do to help, uh, I, I will do my best to do so. If you want to be a guest on a future episode of Toys and Tech of the Trade, you can email me rich at rageworks.net. You can also fill out the form on the Rageworks Podcast Network website for the guests that are there, whether it's for this podcast or any of the other ones on the network, you can fill out that form. Someone will get back to you and we will set that up. Otherwise, you can sign up for services like Pod It, Matchmaker, etc. Toys and Tech of the Trade is listed there. You can set up a profile and you're able to solicit other podcasts if you want to go and promote your books, your products, your services. Besides popping up here on Toys and Tech of the Trade, those are great services if you want to grow your brands and your presence as well. No no paid endorsement here. I use the service. There's no kind of affiliate or commission nonsense. Sign up if you want to find other podcasts to be a guest on. That's really one of the easiest ways to grow your podcast is to go on other podcasts and talk about your stuff. Share your story. It's huge. It pays dividends. Trust me. It works. All right. Enough of my nonsense. I've kept you guys' uh, attention for a little over an hour and change. So let me wrap things up by saying, enjoy your friends, enjoy your family and your loved ones. And hopefully you enjoyed this episode of toys and tech of the trade. Thanks for listening. I'll see you guys in two weeks. Peace. Toys and Tech of the Trade is part of the Rageworks Podcast Network, your source for rants about gaming, entertainment, and the works. Visit us at RageworksNetwork.com.